Well, good morning, everyone. I received my bachelor's degree from Trinity University. It's on the north side of Chicago. It's uh, located in a small town actually uh, called Deerfield. And uh, about a quarter of a mile down the road from the entrance to Trinity University, uh, famous celebrity status sports guy Mike Ditka lived. Uh, if you remember him, he was like this Hall of Fame football player who became, and he was at the time that we, I was at, uh, at Trinity, he was the head coach of the Chicago Bears. It's a really big deal. I loved my time at Trinity. Uh, one of the things that was cool is uh, while I was there, myself and the, uh, four, four of us college students, we formed a band that I played. I played guitar in uh, with these other guys. And this, this I, I need to brag about this band because this is kind of epic. We had a grand total of one gig. It was at a mandatory student assembly. Our set list was two songs. We did, uh, uh, let me see, we did uh, One Simple Thing by a band uh, called The Stabilizers, and then we did uh, um, Bruce Coburn's Lovers in a Dangerous Time. Uh, after that gig, we felt at as though we had reached the height of our success, we broke up. But we did have a name. It's very important to know the name. We called ourselves the Community Expectations. And the story behind why we got the name is important. We called ourselves Community Expectations as a jab, kind of, at the student behavioral policy manual. There was a line in there, it was sort of a catch-all phrase for the stuff that they forgot to you know, name piece by piece. And it, the line said something like this. Failure to abide by the community expectations may result in disciplinary action. Right? So community expectations. And so it could be anything. It could be very minor, slap on the wrist, or you could even be expelled. But I remember thinking to myself, and this is so, so our, you know, we're playing at this student assembly, so we're like, let's call ourselves the community expectations. And the reason, uh, the, the reason that came about was because I remember thinking to myself, wait a second, I go here, I'm part of the community, nobody asked me what my expectations were. How can they be the community expectations to know what happened? What are they asking? Mike Ditka, because he lives in the community? Where are they getting these expectations from? So we came up with these, but here's what I realized. See, community is actually fellowship with others based on uh, common attitudes, goals, and interests, right? So you have these common desires, things you're trying to achieve together. And that's what community is. The truth of the matter is that every single person in this room is engaged in multiple communities. Many, many communities. And here's the bottom line. You actually don't get to decide what all the community expectations are. You inherit many of them. Let me give you some examples of community. First of all, you live actually physically in a community, right? And uh, I was talking to someone after the service and, and, and about community, talk about community expectations in your neighborhood. I, I shared, you know, well, some people, you know, just, just you, you need to know this. If you live in a community and your yard is the junk show, you are violating all your neighbor's community expectations, I promise you. <laughs> They're expecting you to do something about the mess, right? And she, she came up to me afterwards and she said, well, we live on Christmas Street down in Sugar House. Anyone know that one? Yeah. Talk about community expectations. <laughs> I would just move. I'd get out of that community is what I would do. 
Or you have like, like uh, you, you have immediate family as a community, right? And there are all kinds of expectations there. We have a saying in our family, you're a Rutledge. And what we mean by that is there's an assumption of things you do and assumptions of things you don't do by us as well as everyone else who knows who we are. When I, I taught before I went into ministry in the classroom, I only had three rules in my class. Respect yourself, respect others, do the right thing. I love that one because it catches everything else, right? And the reason I chose three rules is because I wanted the students to begin to think about others and not themselves. What's the right thing? Well, it's got to be respecting others and self. But you also have like, like school community, right? Common interest. You share a mascot, right? If you're, if you're like a U fan, you have the community expectation that you beat BYU every year, right? Seven in a row. Yes. Or work community, you know, like you're not going to get fired for this, but there is clearly break room etiquette. If you go into the break room and you grab someone else's coffee cup and start lighting it up, you are violating community expectations. And P.S., if you work here and you're taking the Pepsi out of the green room fridge, you're violating my community expectations because it's my Pepsi. Leave it alone, please. You have sports community. I'll tell you this story. Also, while I was at Trinity, I played on the basketball team, and we went down to Florida for a tournament, it was, and, and we were really excited. It was over Christmas, and we went down. We, our very first game, Vern Orlowski was our center. He was 6'8", rock-solid muscle, but dude, he was a, he was like Bill Lambeer. He just crushed people, like physically. The nicest guy in the world, but like he just wanted to get on the floor. You just wanted to stay away from him because you're going to get hurt. And so anyway, someone from the other team, our very first game of the tournament, he goes in for a layup, and Vern just comes out of nowhere, crashes the guy. The guy gets decked. Their center takes exception to that, comes running in, full cock. He's going to hit Vern from behind. So I was standing right there. I didn't really have a choice. I just grabbed the guy and pull him away, and then next thing you know, bench is clear. Bench is clear. We lost the game. But here's what I want you to know. You know what the community expectation is on a sports team? I got your back. Because <laughs> we're a team. Or even you think about faith communities. Now, there, there are the broad faith communities, Judaism, Muslim, Catholicism, Christianity. Even within those, there are subgroups. You know, I'm a Baptist Christian. I'm a Pentecostal Christian, whatever. But then you have even the smaller, and that is K2 is a community. And actually, we have expectations, and the expectations are written out for those who want to formalize their membership in this community. We call it joining the crash, becoming a member. We have 10 values, and three of those values connect directly to being part of the community. The challenge of connecting our lives with others in grace and truth, which is very, right? Connecting your lives to others can be super challenging but doing it with grace and truth, the freedom of sacrificing self-interest for the interest of God and the interests of others, and then the discovery of being a unique expression in this place. All of those things center around being involved in community. And community is a big deal to humanity. You can see it just through observation. What do you, you know with your kids, you see this, they do something that violates your community expectation for the family? Go to your room. You've been exiled from community here, 
right? It's a punishment. Or even in prison, right, they have, uh, you, you uh, get sent to solitary confinement, and they actually have to have restrictions on the amount of time you can be in solitary confinement because it can be super damaging to the psyche to be alone for extended periods of time. So they have to govern that a little bit. And I want to give you just really quickly, so that's a fact that we need community, but I want to give you a, like, one-minute theology behind, so why do we need community? It's very simple. Go back to Genesis. It says in the meeting, God said, let us make man in our image. Let who? Us, referring to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. See, God existed in community. He didn't exist alone. He existed in community, the three in one. And then he said, I'm going to make us, let us make man in our image, which means he's creative and he's communal. So he's made us in his image, making us creative and communal. And then he says, he sees that man's alone. And what does he say? It's not good. How can he be in community if he's alone? He gives him a, a wife and they populate the earth. And the story of the Bible is the history of communities. We're called to be in community because we're created to need it. And if we're not careful, we can become super narcissistic and think it's all about me and ask questions like, what do I get from it? Which is okay. As long as you're asking the second question, and that second question is, what am I contributing to it? Too often we love the first question, but we don't like the second question. And art is a great example of what community is. See, all of the pieces and the elements of art express dramatic dependence on each other. Uh, I was going to do this thing. I was going to bring in a guitar, and I was going to play something for you, and then I was going to bring another guitar that only had half the strings on it and play it again. And then you'd see, see, oh, you need all the strings for it to sound right. Then I, but what I realized is, it would, A, it would sound horrible, and two, it would create more work for me, so I didn't do that. But here's, here's what I want you to understand. If I put a white image up on the screen, no one would go, amazing art. <sighs> See, it's all dependent on the shades and the way the colors connect with each other and the, and the hues and the strokes and the textures, and all of that is what creates art. So let me show you an example of this, and it's a, just let's, let me make it a little more Practical. Take a look at this classic Sistine Chapel work, right? Amazingly beautiful. But you also see, if we removed the colors, it would look like this, and it becomes a lesser piece of art. Now, it's still beautiful. I, I'm not saying that. But the original is so much more beautiful because of the way the colors and the textures work together. I want to show you something. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Two things. God reconciled us. He gave to us. And he wants us to do what? Reconcile with each other. I receive. I give. You cannot be in community if you only receive. I'll tell you this too, that you have, every single person here has a dramatic ability to impact the community in which you live. 
Now, you can impact it negatively or positively. But let me tell you this. If you're not impacting the community that you're in, I would make a very strong argument that you're actually not in that community. You're just visiting someone else's community. If you're not impacting the community you're living in, you are actually just visiting someone else's community. Take, take another look at, uh, look at another passage. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. So I'm going to just be really honest with you guys. I know that some of you are faithful. You come every week and you're engaged in all this stuff. I, I look around. I see so many people serving and just, just being involved here, finding the, the lifeblood of K2. But I also know that many of you just come occasionally, just kind of zip in and zip out. Receive this in the most gracious way I can offer it to you. Stop doing that and come every week. Join a community. You know why? Because you're needed and you need it. It says, don't forsake or neglect meeting together. Because we're supposed to do what? Encourage each other. If you're not here, you're not encouraging anyone. And then the classic example was found in Acts chapter 2 of community. I'm going to read this passage. This is right after Jesus Christ had given his life on the cross and he went back to heaven. The Holy Spirit comes and ascends, just descends upon the people and crazy stuff starts happening. And look what happens to the believers. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to, breaking, uh, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Did you catch that? Giving everything. They were actually so desirous of a community where everyone was included that they were selling things that they had so that they could have the resource to give to someone else. And this community is it's really important. Giving and receiving. Really, really important. The community expectations. Maybe I should put the band back together. Here's the thing. We all have them. But it only works when we submit to them and embrace them. The only way someone can receive from a community is if someone else is giving to a community. Someone, mark this down, someone is waiting on something from you. Someone is waiting on something from you, and you are waiting on something from someone else. Think about this. What if Chris Tomlin wrote all these great worship songs, and he went to a studio, and he recorded them, and he said, ah, I'm just going to put these in my... CD player or my iPod at home and I'm going to listen to him myself. Do you realize that he is the most played worship artist of all time in the world? Do you realize how significantly impacted the worship community internationally would be without Chris Tomlin saying, I'm going to impact this community by offering my gifts? It's astounding. Someone's waiting on you today and you're waiting on someone. So today what we're going to do is something a little more ex 
experiential, I guess I would say. We want it to be super engaging and interactive, and we hope it gets a little uncomfortable. At least I do. Lock the doors. <laughs> Nobody's leaving here. What we did is for today's service, we asked our teams to, to create. I'm going to invite Mariella. Why don't you guys come on up here? We asked our teams to create, but we asked them specifically to create in community or about community. Mariella is going to be the first person that's going to share how, what, what came of this uh, experiment that she was involved in. And, uh, Mariella, so you don't know this, but Mariella runs the still store machine in the back, which the still store is the thing that puts the slides on the screens, right? And, and the cheat sheet down here. If you don't know why this TV's here, it's not because we're watching football. It's like cheating for us, so... Uh, Probably wasn't supposed to tell people that. But anyway, um, so uh, she's up here. And I will tell you this. I'm leading worship. Sometimes I'm looking up. And I'm like, dude, she's way into it. But I hope she gets this next slide because I cannot think of the next word, you know. So uh, tell me, um, Mariela, so I know worship is a big deal to you. Just tell me a little bit about what, what it means to you. For me, uh, worship has become a lifestyle, I think. We get to worship with everything that we do in every moment, at work, at school, when you're driving. And um, for me, worshiping through music, it's how, like, I think is the most important way that I connect to God. It's how we, like, I have community with him. It's how I get to know him. Mm. And I do this every day. I sing in my car, sometimes in my house all by myself, and I prepare a worship set, and I'm just jumping and dancing mm. around. And I, I just love singing to him, and I just love being able to know him through that more. So we, we asked people to create in community or about community. Tell me about uh, what, what you did. So how did that, what happened for you? So... Um, God has been telling me, just keep writing songs, keep writing, 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 whatever you want to write, just keep writing. And I don't play any instrument, so I, Sigi is my friend, and he plays the piano. And we've been getting together just to create, so he started just playing a tune when we got invited, and then I'm like, oh, this sounds like this, and then I, like, some other part is from another song that I thought it was going to be a song, and another part, like, everything started getting together, and uh, we just wanted to create a song that just praise God. Uh, it talks about how, like, who God is, like, in the ver first verse, and in the second verse is... Um, more about how when we gather together, God is here and wow. he's everywhere. And I, I, I just like, it's more like a declaration over the church and for us to just praise him and to bring him um, glory. That's awesome. And so this band is a band you're on tour with, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. so how, how did this band come together? Because a lot no. of these people, they're not actually, Siggy's in the band, he plays, and Jason, but not all these guys are in the bands yeah, on Sundays. No. Um, so as I was saying, like, Siggy and I, we met in, um, we, we met here. I, I know all of them because of K2, but for, from different places. Uh, I met Siggy and Daniel in a K2U class. Uh, more than a year ago, I went with Moriah and Jason to Swaziland. Um, 
Uh, I met Amy in a Life Together group and then in Encounter. Then Josh, uh, he's in the sound booth when I'm doing a steel sword. And I didn't even know he played the drums. Hmm. And uh, Chuck, it's friends of Jason, now he's friends of all of us. And we just came together. We, we were praying about, like, when Siggy and I got invited, we were praying about, like, who, who would come and who got who do you want to be part of this and each of them are have been an important part for this song like mm -hmm. if it wasn't for them like this cannot be the way it is well that's really awesome and i'm excited for you guys this community uh this sunday for her to share this with you guys so Mariela, thank you so much for being one to do this <laughs> Once you get like the chorus or whatever, just start singing with us. This is a worship, this is a time to worship God, and we just want to worship with you. He's in this place, so let's just worship.
Awesome. You guys can grab a seat. We're going to do one, something right now. Uh, I'm going to invite our greeters to come, and they're going to uh, take the offering. We do this every week. Again, it's another act of worship. And I just want to say, and as soon as you guys, as soon as the greeters are forward, you can go ahead and just start passing. I just want to say to you guys, K2 believes that God calls us to giving 10%. He offers blessing in your lives if you're obedient to that. And uh, it's up to you to decide if you want to uh, believe that or not. But I will tell you this, that even in this act of giving, or I should say returning to God what he's given to you, a percentage, uh, it, it's, again, if you're, if you're just coming and you're not contributing, it's another area where you're missing out on the opportunity to impact the community. Even physically change the environment through your uh, obedience to God. And so... Uh, I'm just going to pray, and, uh, and then we're gonna, they're already passing. So, Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to love you and 
to serve you and to be obedient to your call. Help us impact this place just by being involved, by being connected, and by uh, offering to you uh, back a percentage of what you're giving to us. We love you so much, and we're grateful for a place that we can call our home. We ask this in your name. Amen. foot nothing teacup sized human being. I have a southern drawl when I'm tired, eyebrows that are earnestly trying to stage a reunion tour, and a penchant for rhinestones unequaled by anyone this side of kindergarten. <laughs> I am my mother's daughter, a tiny woman made of baklava and New England winters. Much to her chagrin, I was born south of the Mason-Dixon line. But the doctor was more concerned that I was two months early, potato-sized, and yellow. Not a good color on me. I was strong-willed from the start. I have my mother's tenacity, her ability to make ends meet when the rope won't wrap around a matchstick. Unlike Jack and Rose, my mother would have fit her entire family on that floating door and made sure they had enough to eat. We were a family of juice, concentrate, hand-me-downs, and hard work. My Polly Pocket came pre-owned, and our fruit snacks were the store brand. But I was never for want of art supplies or library books. I've never flown anywhere with my whole family or had a 10-foot-tall Christmas tree. But I bet my classmates have never had a five-gallon commercial icing bucket filled with markers. I had all the glitter glue and the Ralph S. Mouse books my heart could desire. There's no physical doubt that my mother and I are related. I have her dark hair, the same almond eyes that nearly disappear when we laugh. I have her strong nose, a cartilage connection to my Armenian roots that was sorely unappreciated by my peers in grade school. <laughs> With a bad perm, a lisp, and the soul of a 45-year-old woman with three cats and brightly colored lawn furniture, I was not an easy child to guide through puberty. When most would have found it easier to squish my over-the-top creative spirit into a cookie-cutter wallflower cardboard box, my mother would have none of it. There were three things you knew in our house growing up. Never be afraid to ask questions. The dishes aren't going to do themselves. And come hell, high water, Hurricane Hugo, Valerie is going to be Valerie. Before I ever had work in a gallery wall, I had pieces on every conceivable surface in our home. Because most importantly, I've had my mother's support. When all of our groceries had woohoo stickers, my mother never limited my dreams of college out of state. She never bought rose art instead of Crayola. When I called to say, I've switched majors to art. With too many credits and too much tuition into school, she said, you're my artist. When I said, I'm moving cross country, 
to Utah. She said, get your oil changed and make sure you have enough to eat for everyone you meet, ever. <laughs> when I face planted into beige carpet because my broken heart couldn't make the distance from my front door to my bed, she said, do you want me to fly out there? And a few other choice words that we can't repeat. You don't have to look closely to see my mother and me. The perm grew out, the list stuck around, and my clothes are all still secondhand. But I'm the same little girl who just wants to color the world a little differently. My mother carried me first, but I carry pieces of her in everything that I do. In all that I create, my mother's reach extends far past both of our tiny T-Rex arms because she gave a tiny potato with a crayon the freedom to let her imagination run wild. Following the calling to create is not practical. It is essential. It is not easily or easily defined, and it doesn't always come with full cupboards. You have to be vulnerable to be able to be filled up. I am my mother's tiny teacup, and I will handle hot water with delicate strength and a solid pair of tweezers. That's the word of the day, right? You can see it all over the place. You've probably heard enough about it for a couple weeks. You've heard from Rudd what community can look like, what the expectations are of it. But hopefully in round, I'm going to show you a little bit and tell you uh, about what community looks like and how God feels about community. You heard from Rudd again that God is a communal God, but that by his very nature, he's three persons in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The reason why we're all here on this earth is because God the Father created us. The reason why you're probably here at church is because you know Jesus. And the reason why we're all together is because the Holy Spirit's with us. And that's the reason why I'm here on this stage. That and my community that believed in me enough to tell me that I can totally do this. Um, so I'm going to need your help to hopefully show you what community looks like. Uh, I'm going to invite my friend Kat up to stage. This is the part of the service where things are going to get weird and awkward, okay? <laughs> so I'm going to hand this yarn to Kat, and you guys are going to be connected to this too. So I give it to Kat because I'm connected to her. She's my sister from another mister, and <laughs> she's going to then give it to somebody that she knows, that she's deeply connected with. If you receive that piece of yarn, the roll, I want you to stand up, hold it up, and then find somebody around you 
that you know that knows you deeply. Not you just like know their face, but somebody that actually connected with it in a community or something. As soon as you do that, you keep passing it, and we keep passing it until we'll see what happens, okay? And you may pass it to someone that's already holding it, and again, when you receive it, you stand up and just keep passing it. All right, let's see how weird this can get. All right. All right, well, as you can see, this is starting to, to work. <laughs> see, each person can represent somebody that God has saved, because that's what God does. He comes in to the world and just picks people and chases after them and loves on them, and then they start to know him. But the cool thing about God is that he not only just saves people and lets them figure it out on their own, he does that by creating a family. See, God's purpose on earth, like Rudd shared, was to reconcile us to himself and to each other. Like Paul says in Corinthians and Ephesians, that Christ is uniting all things and all peoples, all nations, all races, everything, to himself and to each other. You can see you got a couple family members here connected to a couple young students over there. And that's amazing because diversity actually brings more glory to God. When people on the outside see different people from different ages, backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, or political spectrums, and they see them loving each other, then the world is like, okay, there's something different about these Christians. You also need diversity because as cool as it is to have a bunch of millennials all together connected to each other, you're going to need some older people that are going to speak into your lives. And older people, you're going to need some younger people that you can speak into and that can probably help you carry stuff to your house. <laughs> now, that word, need, you need people. I know as soon as I said that, some of the people, you're like, nope. I don't need people. I'm good. I got God. God in me. We're cool. We're tight. I know some of you, like Rudd said, you just want to come in on Sunday, listen to a great message by Dave, worship, and then go home and see how your fantasy bench is outscoring your starters. <laughs> as an introvert, as an INTJ, you know, the technical term, I totally understand because I was like that. Like Rudd said, at the beginning, there was God and Adam, and they had perfect community with each other. Perfect. Are you talking about when people are like, oh, I had a really good quiet time today, you know, God was really present. Adam blows that out of the water. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm hanging out with God 24-7, 365. And what did God say? It's not good for you to be alone. And so he gave him Eve. See, the problem is that when you're not in community, when you're not connected like this, then it's easy to pull you out. You're an easy target for the enemy to talk to you and to have those voices in your head that lie to you. And that's what I was like. I was unconnected for four long years. And so I felt alone and unloved. And what happens when you're feel alone? You get more alone. See, I wanted God, but I didn't want his children. I actually told God, I want you, I don't want your people. And that's not okay. That's just never the case. God is always like, 
you, if you love me, you're going to love your people. You cannot say that you love God and you don't care or hate his children. It doesn't fly. People and communities are messy. Look at this mess. Look at this tangled web. It's kind of dangerous a little bit, but that's okay. But also look at all the connections. Look at all the different colors. Look at the people like Kat that are connected to four different strings. That's amazing. See, we're scared to deal with our brokenness and other people's brokenness, and so we don't engage. We want to be like a little bit perfect or get it together just enough so that when we go to the group, we're not that one person that has all the issues. But the problem with that is that when you do that, you miss out on the opportunity to be healed through relationship. Because that's how God does it most of the time. He heals you through people around you. James 5, it says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. He also says that if you want physical healing, to call the elders and all the people in the church to pray for you. But guess what? If you're unconnected, then you can't have that. And some of you are Christians, and some of you come to church every Sunday, but I don't see you holding the string. And so you're missing out. But not only are you missing out, I am missing out. I'm missing out on you. Because hi, I need you. I need you in my life, and other people need you. See, as, even though Kat can have four different kinds of strings, she cannot connect to every single person here. And so we need you to step in and fill in the gaps. See, true spirituality, true maturity is worked out in the context of community. No one is good at everything. No one is connected to all the strings. No one has all the spiritual gifts. Why did God give the spiritual gifts? To build up the body. You cannot build up the body if you're not connected, because I need your gifts and you need mine. And it takes real humility, real humility, to admit that you need people. But, that's, but people miss out on so much good stuff too. You need people to encourage you and love you and point out your strengths and encourage you in that and push you to be on stage with a bunch of string. And you also need people to point out your weaknesses, help you work on them, and tell you, Christian, you also need a solid pair of tweezers. <laughs> See, good communities understand that we're all in process and are not scared of the mess. They invite people in because that's what Jesus did. Jesus came and didn't say, oh my gosh, your mess is too much, I'm out. No, he said, I see your mess, and I love you, and I'm going to step into it. They invite people in because that's what we're supposed to do. And great marriages, married people, not me, great marriages do this. There's two people that are deeply flawed. They have a ton of issues. But they complement each other's strengths and they compensate for each other's weaknesses. Let me close with this. You guys can stop passing the string. Let's get it all together. Thank you. It takes love and sacrifice to build a family. Love and sacrifice. Love says, I want to be with you, I will do anything for you, and I want to create something bigger between the both of us than I can do by myself. And sacrifice says, I'm going to give up everything that's going to hinder that, and I'm going to stay with you through sickness, through health, through everything, through hell or high water. 
And so God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that you may know him and you may believe in him and be saved. So it's going to take love and sacrifice to be in community with each other. Look at all the people helping out because it takes sacrifice and love to be with each other. And that's okay. Because if you do that, if you choose to ignore that fear and step into community, your life's going to be transformed. My life, I was an angry person, and not until after four years I connected did I actually start to change. Somebody actually said, I love you, and I want to be with you, even though you're a huge jerk. (laughs) And that changed my life. And I want that. I so want that for you. And the truth is, that you can sit here unconnected for four years, because I did that. And K2 respects wherever you're at, and so we're not going to force you to join anything. And so you can wait four years to feel loved and to have your life changed, or you can do it today. our time um, of musical worship right now. And so for those of you who were here and experienced it, you'll remember this. But for those who weren't, let me tell you that on the first like official day that um, we had a service here um, in this new building, um, the sound went out. And so there was no amplification of any of the instruments, the keyboards, the guitars. And so what we had to do is we had to pick up that acoustic guitar and we all had to come down so that we could hear. And it was an incredible moment of coming together as a church, as a community, praising Jesus. It was really awesome. I can still remember where I was and where I had come from. And so that's what we are going to ask you all to do right now. So I want you to get up, and come down and we are going to have worship tight and close so that we can hear each other praise God together in one voice one church you don't get out of it I'm going to keep talking until you come down and make room y'all down here at the bottom Squeeze in tight. You can you can come closer because I don't have cooties. I don't have journal. <laughs> but leave room. I will say just real quick. 
just this because people need to see the words. But come on down. Come on, come on. And like Christian said, taking that step is, can be very scary and fearful, but it's in these moments that we connect. Thank you all for coming. There's lots of room right here also. Awesome. Fantastic, y'all.
Jesus, we give you praise this morning. You are worthy of all praise. And so I just pray that this time, these voices, these hands that are lifted, these hearts that are lifted, the eyes to you are just a fragrant offering to you. Lord, thank you for this message about community in so many different ways that we were just um, shown it and taught it and expressed. Let it just sink into us that yes, it is scary and hard, but with you by our side and with you leading us, let us make those connections. Let us be in community. Let us lift up your body because that is how people know that we belong to you is because of the way that we love each other, Lord. And so fill us with that because we can't do it on our own strength. We give the rest of this time right now to you. We lift you up, your name higher above than any other name because you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords and worthy of all praise. And we pray this in your name, amen.
All right, so awesome. We've just had our religious Woodstock experience here, but we're not done. We want to get a little weirder still. So here's what we're going to do today. You still have time. Don't rush. You can go get your kids and come back. There's food trucks. There's all that stuff. But here's what I want you to know. We're building a new backdrop for our next series. And when I say we, I mean we. All right? So here's what we want you to do. We said that you can't be part of community unless you're impacting it. We have paintbrushes. We have markers. We even have smocks. Smocks. First grade, last time you wore a smock. We have smocks for you, and we want you to leave your mark on this community by answering this question artistically. What does it mean to you? What does community mean to you? There is no boundaries except for appropriateness, all right? We want you to go grab, grab your marker, your paint, whatever it is, and leave your mark on this backdrop so we can all experience community together. People can see from you what you believe community should be, and you will see from others what community is, okay? That's what we're going to do before you leave today. Do not leave. But a couple other things. Some of you are here today, and you need community to come around you and pray with you. We always have a team of people just over there. By the way, this is called stage rights when you're on the stage to your right, just so you know. Stage right over here, there are a team of people who would love to join you and bring community to your prayer life in whatever it is you have that you want to pray about. It could be something related today, completely unrelated, whatever. It doesn't matter. We'd love to pray with you. And then don't forget... We're kicking off our fall ministry season. And as you leave today, there are many, many opportunities for you to join by signing up in the, in the hallway to the main lobby. Don't leave without connecting or finding a place where you can join and serve. We've got the uh, AC, uh, what is it, the, uh, sorry, the, the youth is doing their kickoff. Uh, the next series, you've got to come back if you want to figure out how to take that next step in being the person that God truly desires you to be. Come back next week. And when you leave today, I'm going to head out to the New Decay 2 if you want to talk. I'd love to talk with you. But uh, we also um, want you, you're all together, you're hanging out, just hang out. If you want to go get your kids, get them, bring them back. Let them write on the board too, okay? Enjoy each other's company and let's have community together. And we'll see you next week here on Sunday. Stand before your maker full of wonder, full of fear. Come behind.